0: In 2008, God started to uh, really capture my heart for Muslims. And uh, it started happening in Dallas, actually. My family and I were living in Dallas around that time. So it happened in 2008. And I um, attended this uh, conference about Muslim background believers. And I was exposed to three main things during that conference. This was for two days. And um, and one thing that, that I was exposed to is... How Islam is rising in the world. How Islam is spreading. And it's like there is a revival, if you can use those words, in the Muslim world. What happened in 9-11, it only caused a revival among them. Because it stirred that spirit within the Muslim world. So from that, it's like an awakening, you know, and uh, in the Muslim world. So it started to happen. I was exposed to that and the strategies of how... Uh, Muslims around the world is uh, spreading Islam, they have strategies. Some of the things is actually, like you find here, and it's twisted. And, um, and so I was exposed to that. I was not aware of that. Uh, some of the people that shared during this conference... Uh, got saved out of radical Islam. There were some of them that were terrorists. Uh, one in particular uh, from Bangladesh, he came to America like a missionary to spread Islam in America. And by the way, this is happening right here. And many of them are coming through universities even. Anyways, uh, but even saying that God has a bigger purpose. We know the enemy has his plan to spread Islam in this country, but God has a bigger one. Amen. And, and so besides hearing of uh, how Islam is spreading, the other thing I was being exposed to is what God is doing yes. in the Muslim world. As I was hearing the testimonies of how they're coming to Jesus, most of which are dreams and visions. All over the Muslim world, many Muslims, I mean, they're having dreams of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And, uh, and this is happening, this is happening even among Muslims that are living here in America. So don't be shy, don't be shocked if you go up to a Muslim and you start talking to him and you share Jesus with them. If they will tell you that they had a dream, don't be surprised with that. Because you're gonna you're gonna see it. And uh, so I was exposed to what God is doing in the Muslim world. And even here, and I I'll share this with you because. As I was hearing these testimonies that many of them, these uh, Muslims, came for different reasons here to America. And their testimony, some is very uh, uh, supernatural, you know, in and, and, and their testimony. And some of them is simply believers like you and I, demonstrated love. Just Christians being Christians. And simply reaching out to them, inviting them for coffee somewhere, or inviting them to their home... And many of them, you may be the first one that you got to reveal love to them. The real love that comes from Christ. And uh, the other thing I was exposed to besides how Islam is spreading and what God is doing in the Muslim world, then I started to realize how very few workers or missionaries are in the Muslim world. How very, very small percentage of missionaries or workers go there or even work among Muslims in America, whatever. This is talking about the Muslim world in general. And that's for different reasons. People are simply not aware of the need, not aware of what God is doing, not aware of the potential, not aware of spiritual, uh, biblical prophecy, and all these things. They're just not aware. One other big reason is, that workers don't go to Muslims, is fear. And... uh, and fear is a big thing uh in in the islam is spread through fear and uh uh and i um i've when when i start to share the gospel with muslims and when i've seen openness and i start being more like bold even about what they believe and uh and i i tell them i you know that that because they you know they boast that they uh Serve God and they have one God and all these things. And, and I tell them, you know, and I, re, you know, I just remind them, I said, let's face this. Here in the Middle East, this was a, this was Christian. Most of these places, most of Paul's uh, work was, that's all over Turkey. It's a Muslim country now. Yeah. And, uh, and, it will change. Yeah. It will change. I mean, I hear in Turkey, there's more missionaries than actual believers. Turkey has been very tough ground. There's things happening, but there's a lot more to be done. And uh, and so, and I tell them, I said, how, and I asked them this, how did Islam spread in the world? You tell me, how did it spread? It was spread by the sword. That means that Kurds, the people group that mainly are in northern Iraq, where we live, where we're based, uh, the majority of the people group there are Kurds, Medes in the Bible. And... Uh, And and, and many of them know they have a Christian history, and they know. You know. Then I tell them, "How did Kurds become Muslim?" And they will admit it. It was they. We were forced. Islam was forced upon them by the sword. You either convert to Islam or we'll die. You. They will die. And so that's what I tell them. I says. Your God must be a pretty weak God if He needs your sword to spread this religion. That's right. That's right. And uh that's pretty weak. If you have to use fear, intimidation, bombs, and knives to spread a religion, that must be a very weak God, and in fact it is a devil. And so I you know I share with them why that why Christianity is spread, why it's, it's spread so, so powerfully, which is more than Islam. And I tell them it's simply because of the Spirit of God. Yeah. The presence of God. And you know, I share the gospel. Why, why are we, why, why, we, because they look at, at certain things about us as being weak and I tell them it's not weak. We rely on the power of God. We rely on the love of God, on the Spirit of God. Amen. I'm done. I'm joking. Yeah. So, so then, then God started to uh, speak to us when we were living in North Carolina for that one year at uh, ministering at Fire School of Ministry. By the way, I have a friend of mine and his girlfriend here. They drove six hours to be in the meeting. His name is Gabriel. Wave your hand, Gabriel. Gabriel is is a man of God. Me and him have preached on the streets together, and uh, in North Carolina in front of the big mall. And uh, he's a soul winner and loves Jesus. Hallelujah. And um, so anyway, so then when we were when we were living in North Carolina, it was during a time of worship, and, and I was meditating at home on the Word of God. And God just simply spoke to me out of Matthew 24, and you know the scripture very well, when Jesus says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. I've known that scripture, I have preached from that scripture, but but I remember that morning as I was meditating on it, something happened. It's like the scripture was staring at me like a person was staring at me. And the scripture was looking at me like, what are you going to do about me? And I was looking at it and it was looking at me. And uh, and I knew, I was like, I know there was nobody else in the room. It was looking at me. <laughs> and I just knew, and at this point, I've been traveling to many countries, over 20 countries, uh, you know, preaching and doing different, you know, God's work, opener meanings, all different kinds. And uh, But I, when I read that and it was just looking at me, I knew it's time to move on from America. I knew it's time, it's just a matter of where to be based, to do His work, that I need to be among people where the gospel is not being preached, where those who haven't heard yet must hear and must understand. Paul said that. he was when he's talking to the churches. He says, the reason I have not been able to come to you, because pretty much I have been busy preaching the gospel, that places where it hasn't been preached, it says, I am not working on other people's foundation. I want to go where it's not being heard, it's not being preached. And guess what? That's a responsibility for all of us. To see that happen. That we'll do whatever we can to see that fulfilled. Paul says, I've given myself entirely to see this happen. And so, it's just a matter of where. And then God started to speak to us about Mesopotamia. You know, the second most um, country that's mentioned most in the Bible after Israel is Iraq. And, and you see the terms Assyria, Mesopotamia, Babylon. We see signs when we drive towards Babylon, you know, it's very encouraging. <laughs> so, Assyria, Mesopotamia, Babylon, Nineveh. Uh, places like this, that's all I- Iraq. And, uh, and I believe, probably the other country most much is Egypt. And uh, and, and so, anyway, so God starts sp- about Mesopotamia. Then he, we were invited. I'm not going to get into that. We, and we started you know, seeing that God is confirming we must be based there. Then I was in Malta. That's where I'm from, by the way. It's an island in the Mediterranean. It's beautiful. <laughs> I have to say that. I know. <laughs> And uh, so I was there and I was in this prayer meeting in Malta. It's called Mediterranean Regional Prayer Gathering. And uh and I was there and 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 I was talking with a brother about us going to Iraq. And he's t- and he says Isaiah 19 and I said to him, what's that? <laughs> and he says, you've got to see it, Isaiah 19. It's talking about uh, Egypt, Assyria, and Israel, and how they will be a blessing in the land, and how the Egyptians will worship with the Assyrians. And that's where we live. You know, the students in our ministry school, and the house of prayer that he's saying, they are Assyrians. And, he uh, said the Egyptians will worship with the Assyrians and the Assyrians with the Egyptians. And he said, and he says, it, we read it, that scripture. And I thought, oh, wow. And, and, and it was, you know, very encouraging that, that God has a very big plan. It's not just he's speaking to us to move there. He has a purpose. So God spoke to us to move there before we started realizing and seeing all this. And then we also heard that there's a house of prayer in Jerusalem. It's called Sukkot Hala, And they have been praying for a house of prayer to start in Erbil. We didn't know that. And guess what? We are in Erbil. And God spoke to me before we left to start a house of prayer there. Hallelujah! So I was saying, God, I was saying, God, we're not only fulfilling prophecy here. We're answering people's prayers. And it was very encouraging. And, and as you, I shared there in the vision, you know, I, uh, um, I'm, I'm going to get into this with you. I, I want to share a few words on prayer, but I, I'm very evangelistic. Most of the work that I've done is, is, is evangelism and, uh, all the other things, but that's who I am. But God clearly spoke to me. I was in Bastrop, Louisiana. And, uh, and uh, when I was praying and, and, in the sanctuary this afternoon on my own. I was walking back and forth and and praying. And then I felt the voice of God about to speak to me about something significant. I had no idea what or what it was about. And I went went, ran to the office, I grabbed the paper. I just knew God's voice was coming. And as I got ready, God started to speak to me. The first thing is establish a house of prayer. And it was the strategy of what we are to do, the vision in the Middle East. I sent I emailed it to David right away. He calls me back. He said, Fabian, I almost got identical things a few days ago. And God confirmed it between of us, uh, between the two of us without even speaking that this is what we are to do. Amen? Amen. And as I was sharing, as I said with you that, that what's happening among Muslims, these dreams and visions, three main things that, main ways that Muslims are coming to Jesus are, yes, through dreams and visions. Another one is when they read the word the, the the New Testament the Injil we call it there and uh and then when they read uh, and then when they meet an authentic christian those are three main ways muslims are coming to jesus <laughs> dreams and visions or something supernatural reading in the word when it's put in their hands the, the, the gospel really started spreading in muslim countries when it started being translated in their languages And then when they meet authentic Christians, real disciples of Jesus. In Romans 10, yeah, in Romans 10, it talks about... That's something we do, I'm sorry. We'll tell you when we get where you're telling us to go. There. (laughs) That was pretty quick. There. (laughs) (laughs) Romans 10... 19. There. (laughs) But I, I'm going to run. But I, let me like read it. But I say, did Israel not know? First Moses say, I will provoke you to jealousy by those who are not a nation. I will move you to anger by a foolish nation. But Isaiah is very bold and says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I was made manifest to those who did not ask for me. But to Israel, he says, all day long I have stretched out my hands to di- to a disobedient and a contrary people. I know that many of you, many Americans think this is America that's provoking Israel to jealousy. And yes, we are Gentiles, yes. But I believe very strongly that he's talking about contrary people and what more of a gentile is than muslims that are so opposed to israel and the jewish people that are so bent to destroy that those people what more of a gentile is a, than a muslim and this is what's happening in the muslim world he said i will come to i'm coming to them and they did not seek me they didn't ask for him, and I came to them, and that is why he's coming to them in dreams and visions without even them asking for him. This is being fulfilled today. It's powerful. And, and, and this is gonna happen, continue to happen all over the Muslim world. I believe around the, all over the world. And i even with what you've seen, with Assyria and Egypt and Israel, I believe Israel, uh, 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 Iraq is a very key place. I know, I remember before, before when I used to hear missionaries, they always talk why their country is so important, you know? And I remember thinking to myself, I don't want to do that. I'm doing that today. And, and, uh, but the reason I'm bringing it up because it's in the scriptures and that's why i believe yes iraq is very significant part of the video that you saw in the in the prayer uh, in the house of prayer where it was full of people there those people half of the people in that prayer room were egyptians half the other half of the people in that prayer room were assyrians and it, i didn't get it till a few days later where i kept thinking cuz In in the house of prayer there we pray, we have Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays that we pray from 12 till 2. We have Thursday evenings, we pray from 6 till 8 or longer, 9 until it keeps going. But then once a month, we go from 6 until 12, until midnight. And we invite different people to help lead in prayer about different things. By the way, now more is growing, more is increasing in homes. When ISIS took over Mosul, which is in Nineveh, like Pastor shared, an hour away from us, It started shaking people up. (laughs) And he asked most people want to leave Iraq. The believers that are have a strong relationship with God, I mean, the spirit of prayer has been coming upon them. The prayer meetings have been intensifying. I get calls uh, uh, and messages on my phone that a prayer meeting is going to be in this house, and another prayer meeting is going to be in my house, won't you come? This started happening the last few weeks since the terrorist group started taking over Iraq. And, 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 and this has been the answer, really, of our prayers at our place, to see a prayer movement start in Iraq. So it's been happening. Okay. And so, yes, yeah, so, so Egyptians will worship the Assyrians. So a few days later, I was reflecting about this prayer meeting. And I thought, oh, wow. Half Egyptians, half Assyrians. I didn't realize when we were in that prayer meeting, I realized after, a few days later, I was talking, wow, this is being fulfilled. Amen. And then I, I sent it. I send the report to the house of prayer in Jerusalem and they were very excited about it because they're the ones that have been praying for house of prayer to start in Erbil. And sure enough, one of their leaders visit us. And recently they had even, a, the leader there had a vision of pouring of, a, the, lead, the, the, the director of the house of prayer in Jerusalem had a vision. And a lot of it was clear, I mean, a very powerful vision. A lot of it was the outpouring of God's Spirit that was started to take place right in the Kurdish region of Iraq. Amen. You can imagine how excited I was. <laughs> Cause that's what we have been pushing for, pushing for, for the outpouring of God's Spirit. The outpouring of God's Spirit to, to come and to spread. And then when somebody in, in Jerusalem had a vision that is, is going to happen, believe me, it, it pushes you even more forward. Amen? Amen. So you see this—that this is going to increase in the Muslim world. And so, besides, when God spoke to us about house of prayer, I knew. Uh, you know, I've uh, in growing, growing in, in my relationship with God through the years. Yes, I'm a man of prayer. We should be people of prayer. But I never thought that when God moves me to a different country, He's going to tell me to start a house of prayer. I never thought that. It was only because God spoke to me. But now, being there a year and a half, and even the last few months and few weeks, I've been seeing more that this is a must to take place to see revival. Revival. And that's what, like I shared, we've been pushing to see a prayer movement. We're not just trying to build a house of prayer. We're trying. We're, what we're pushing is to see a prayer movement take place. Because the prayer movement always precedes revival. And I want to speak this even for you here today. That we must realize if we are truly want to see the presence and power of God in our midst, in this land, in the, among the lost, on the streets, we must be gripped with the spirit of prayer. And we must be people of worship and prayer and intercession. And the prayer meetings, the prayer meetings, the prayer meetings should not be something extra that we add to the church programs. The prayer meetings should be the very foundation of everything that we do. It should everything come out of that place. I tell you this is going to change. At some point, Americans are going to get it. The prayer meetings is not something extra. It's not something extra. It shouldn't be that the smallest percentage show up to the prayer meetings. It shouldn't be that most prayer meetings are women either. I never studied woman, womanology, I don't understand all this. But I don't agree with these statements that yes, because women are just so sensitive. And listen, fine if you believe that. But my wife have the Holy Spirit, I have the Holy Spirit. And so if men have the Holy Spirit, why in the world cannot be sensitive to God's heart? Intercession and prayer is not safe for just women. Yeah. The, the, the the prayer and worship and intercession is for everybody yeah. who wants to see God's purposes come to pass. Okay, yeah. Sharon, I'm very evangelistic and And we, you see the doors are open. I mean, honestly, I we don't have enough time to cover all those tents. To cover all those families. People are very open. Right where we live, many people are moving to the northern part of Iraq among the Kurdish people. The Kurds are very different. They're not Arabs. And we love, believe me, we love Arabs. I mean, we're going other places like that as well. But we're living in the Kurdish region. And the Kurds love America. <laughs> they have a good relationship with Israel. Amen. I believe that's very important. <laughs> and it's just powerful. And, uh, and they would quick to tell you, I'm a Kurd first and I'm Muslim second. And, and pretty much the Kurds have been protecting their area pretty well. They want nothing to do with terrorism. They want nothing to do with the fight for Islam. They want peace. And so because of that, it's given us an opportunity to be based there. And people are moving there because of safety. Like you've seen, hundreds of thousands of Kurds from Syria are coming right where we live. Right where we live. And God's opened the door to us. It's been amazing. It's been just amazing. I don't have the time to tell you how that's been happening. People are also coming from Iran. You call it Iran. <laughs> I call it Iran. <laughs> okay. And, uh, and, it's been, and they're coming to the Kurdish part of Iraq because of the economy. The economy in the, in the Kurdish region is doing very well. Because of the security they keep, companies come and invest there. You will see buildings coming up everywhere. I mean, apartments, houses, malls, they're building. And, uh, and so that brings a lot of people that, for work. So people from Syria, people from Iran coming there, people from Turkey, and then even people from further areas of Iraq are coming there. Peace, safety, economy, different reasons. And right where we live, when we got there, that was not happening like that. We didn't realize, we didn't, but God has a plan. So even though there's all these opportunities to reach out, and we do. We have an English language center. You know, that's why we're there to teach English. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, so we do teach English there. And it's another way to open doors, to build relationship with people. There's many opportunities. But in the midst of all these needs and opportunities of people that are willing to listen, and really, they are hungry. God, like in the last few months and weeks, put an even greater responsibility to see a prayer movement. It's a must. It, it must happen. And one thing I also want to tell you, that this must be a lifestyle. When I, a friend of mine, Tommy Hudson, you know Tommy Hudson? Amen! I was in a meeting before we left when we were still in the U.S. Two and a half, about two years ago. I was ministering somewhere. And he told me on the phone. And he quoted Pastor Paul and David Yonggi Cho. David of the largest church in South Korea. Okay. And he quoted him and said this. Because the Koreans, thank God, they get it. Anybody Korean here? Korean beggar? The Koreans get it. And they have, there, is a, there has been a prayer movement there for many years. And you know what the result is of this prayer movement? Revival. And they have having revival in South Korea. And what is tr- fruit of revival? Workers being sent out all over the world. It's just normal, real Revival people see God's face, praying, worshiping, interceding, God's presence come, miracles happen, the church grows, and guess what, people are sent out, that's exactly what happened in the early church, and I'm going to quote it to you, and they follow that model, and guess what, it's happening, so I don't know why in the world, do we think we're going to experience this powerful move of God, and don't get it, and don't Pray and intercede and give ourselves to hours of worship and intercession. It doesn't happen without it. And people who follow those examples that was revealed in the scriptures, they see results. So the question is, do we want revival bad enough? So they did this. They've been doing this in South Korea. And yes, and labors are being sent out wherever, I'm sure. We've traveled and we see Koreans everywhere. Now in the last maybe year or two, Korea sends out more missionaries than America. Before it used to be according to, uh, what do you call it, capital? Like the per, per capita. Now, no, now actually more numbers of missionaries going out from South Korea than America. America is a lot more bigger than South Korea. But it's a result of people Worshipping, praying, day and night. That's going to be the result. It's going to be the fruit that comes out of that place. When we worship, when we pray, when we intercede, guess what? God will share His heart with us. What else will happen? He will empower us. He will speak. He will send us. It all happens from that furnace of worship and prayer. It comes out of that place. So Tommy Hudson, yes, he, when I talked to him, he told me, he said, Fabian, he says, I want to say something that David Yonggi Cho said, this pastor in South Korea. He says, when I studied revivals in the West, I, I could see that prayer was a focus before revival came. And he says, but when revival came, prayer and intercession did not remain as a focus like it was before revival came. And guess what happens? It starts to die down. So if what ignites the fire and revival, if prayer and worship and intercession is what ignites the fire and brings revival, then prayer, worship and intercession is what keeps the fire burning. It's what keeps God's presence coming. It's not only to see His presence come, it's to keep it among us. What starts it is what continues it. And I tell you, Amen. I want to tell all the churches in America if I could. To worship, to pray, to intercede. And don't stop. This should be a lifestyle. And continue until Jesus comes back. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's look real quick at Luke uh, at uh, Luke 24. Oh, wow. He must have stolen my notes during worship. I didn't see it. <laughs> there. Okay. I know what to do next. <clears throat> I'll find it and then I will tell you. Hella, <laughs> <laughs> like, you get it. <laughs> So Luke 24, I want to show you here, this is what, look, this is what the early church did. This is nothing new. And by the way, before I read it, we look at David as well in the Old Testament. The thousands of prophetic singers and musicians that he had. Anyways, then they worshipped and they sang before God day and night. That's nothing new. This has been since that time of ongoing worship and praise unto God. And prayers being offered before the Lord. Moravians did the same thing. The hundred-year-old prayer meeting. And guess what? Labor sent out. Same thing. South Korea, the prayer mountain. Same thing. But look, look at the early church as well. In uh, Luke 24, I'm going to read from verse 49 until the end, 53. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But wait in the city of Jerusalem until you are endured with power from on high. And He led them out as far as Bethany. And He lifted up His hands and blessed them. Wonderful. Now it came to pass while He blessed them, that He was parted from them and carried up into heaven. He took off. And they worshipped Him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. They were probably the most excited people on the planet at that time. Jesus just told them to wait. I'm going to send the promise of the Holy Spirit. And you're going to endures with power to be my witnesses. He stretched out His hand. He blessed them. And then they see Him rise and ascend to heaven. And they return to Jerusalem with great joy. If I was there, I'm sure I'll be excited. Great joy. And then look. And they were continually at the temple, praising and blessing God. They were continually in the temple, praising God. This is what their waiting on God looked like. They were continually worshiping and praying. Acts chapter 1. Luke is continuing writing here. There. I was there before you, I forgot to say <laughs> Acts chapter 1 from verse 12 to 14. Yeah. Then they returned to Jerusalem um, from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room. Where they were staying, Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus with his brothers. Mary was not receiving worship, she was worshiping. Amen. <laughs> to my Catholic friends. <laughs> I, I had to throw that in there. <laughs> yeah. Mary was praying and worshiping. This is what they did. They all joined. They were constantly. In Luke 24, it says they were continually praising. Here it tells us they were in constantly in prayer. That's what it looks like. Worship and praying is what they're waiting for the Holy Spirit look like. Continually. It wasn't just waiting, hopefully this year. It was not like that. They were together in the temple, continually, constantly, worshiping, praising, and praying together. That's what our waiting should look like. That is, that was, and still is, the key to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The waiting mentality of the believers. They knew that they could not fulfill their mission without the promise. Amen? And so that's why when people ask us, ask me, how can we pray for you there in Iraq? I tell them, pray for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit to happen among us. That's what my first prayer. It's not safety and that's fine. That's fine. But what we really need... More than the safety, what we need is the Holy Spirit. That's why I tell them, pray that God will pour out His Spirit among us. And the Iraqi believers, that we will have boldness, that we will have power to be witnesses. And then I tell them, the second thing I I want you to pray for us is pray for a prayer movement to take place. Because it's a must. To see His presence continue to come more and more and more. To overcome those powers of darkness. To overcome that fear. To overcome the intimidation. To overcome when people tell you, You can go to that city because they will kill you. You've got to have the Holy Spirit. You've got to have love. You've got to have boldness. When the disciples, when the disciples, the early church, were arrested... You know, and they told them not to preach in the name of Jesus. They told them not to preach in the They warned them. One thing they did not do, they did not say we must obey them. They did not say, I guess we must relocate. They didn't say that. I know you're laughing, but this happens with thousands of believers. When it gets intense, they want to relocate. Jesus did not say to go where it is safe. Jesus said to go. Yeah. Go. That's what He said. Just go. And so they prayed. And this is what they asked God. And we'll read it in Acts 4. One of my favorite passages. This prayer meeting. And they asked God, yes, they didn't say, where should we go now? No, they said, God, give us boldness. Yes. They knew that shrinking back was not an option. They knew that keeping their mouth shut was not an option. They knew that they must obey Him. They knew that the gospel must be preached. So they asked for help. What was the help they asked for? Give us boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal that signs and wonders will be done through your name yes. they knew the more miracles happen, the more bonus they will have yes huh? the more healings take place, it gives them courage and boldness because it shows that God is with them yes. hallelujah. And how did God answer their prayers to give them boldness? He poured out the Holy Spirit and the place was shaking. If we ask for boldness, He's going to answer that by pouring out His Spirit. Yeah, healings, signs and wonders. Thank God, we have been witnessing that as well, but oh man, we are praying for so much more. We have testimonies of, I'm sure, like you have, cancers being healed. Yes. And the refugee camps, I shared quickly in that video. I said, healing's been happening. They come up to us to pray for them, because the word goes out. You know, testimonies like. Couples been married for years, cannot have children, and there it's very shameful to not have children. And uh, and we pray for them. We come the next time, you know, it's the, and they 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 thank us. My wife's pregnant. It's been years. And it's stories like this. Sometimes I don't remember this one guy or or a couple of this situation. Demons at night, nightmares that would scream and wake up people around them in the other tents. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, then, and then we come back, and they say, something's different with you. They say, not, that's not happening to me. And the neighbors he said, he's not screaming anymore at night. He's free. Amen. And then... Yes, glory, so we're walking... We walk, down, we walk down these different tents, and they, they come up. They, they go. They start pointing to different parts of their body. That one's healing, he's healing. And, uh, and this is true, like, one of the translators, uh, he's a Muslim. He's not a believer. But sometimes it's just hard to find people who would help with translation. So I find people that are refugee in the camps that speak English. And uh, Kanuwar, this guy... And uh, and so he was helping me, he's Syrian Kurd, and I preach, and I tell him, and you know, he's Muslim, so he translates, and when he started seeing these people healed and things like this, you know, a crowd starts to form, and I'm laying my hands on them, and, uh, and we needed to go, a family that was with us, left a baby with some of our team members, and it was time to feed the baby, and we had to get back, <laughs> anyways, and... Uh, uh, So I was like, I have these people, we've got to do it quickly. And uh, so the translator, who is a Muslim, he says, I guess I can pray, right? I can do it. He's not a believer yet. And he knows that I'm doing this, I pray in the name of Jesus, and it's happening. (laughs) So he's putting his hands and telling them in Jesus' name to be healed as well. (laughs) I thought to myself, that's a first for me. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I don't, don't ask me to give you all the tells. It just it just happened. So this is what there. This is what it looked like. These ongoing worship and prayer. I, I want to show you real quickly that they they continued to do this after Pentecost. After Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was poured out. Wonderful, thank God. We've seen in Acts 4. They came together and they prayed. God answered. But this is this is a lifestyle. I'm gonna read real quick also in a look in Acts 2. It shows how they were living in Acts 2, verse 42. There. (laughs) Acts 2, 42. It says this. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' teachings doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in this is what this is after pentecost they can devoted themselves to do this in the apostles teachings some may have different ideas i believe strongly believe the words of jesus the apostles teachings Yes, I'm sure they quoted Old Testament. But I strongly believe the majority was the teachings, the words of Jesus. They have spent those three years with Jesus, listening and listening and seeing, and they were passing them on, passing them on. They continued in the past teachings and in fellowship. That's one of the reasons, not only that, that I really, I honestly look forward to be with you. I mean it. We're going to be in different churches till mid-September. And this church is one of the top three churches I was looking forward to be at. I mean it. For different reasons. Your love for Jesus. Your hunger for God. You are missional. Very missional. And you are people who also understand the importance of fellowship. And they continued in prayer. It was not something extra. That's how they lived. Imagine. They've spent time with Jesus in person. But they needed to continue this way. They had the Holy Spirit. The church was growing. Says 3,000 souls were being added. I tell you, that's pretty powerful. Outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But they continued doing this. They didn't rely just on the wave, because this many times would happen when God's presence comes and the Holy Spirit is poured out. poured out. We you know it's like a wave and you ride it. But we want the wave to continue. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. 46 and 47. So continually daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved. When This morning and yesterday evening, last night, when we were worshiping together, I honestly was thinking, this probably looked, I imagine, pretty close to what was happening. I believe that. (laughs) I believe, I was thinking that last night. Worshiping with you, pure hearts, loving Jesus, praising. And I know you didn't want to stop. I felt the same way. And I started to think like, I want to think that's probably close to what they were doing. But I want to add this as well prayer and intercession. The spirit of prayer, where we were truly, we are gripped by the heart of God, and we look at the promises of God, and when the, the spirit of prayer is upon us, and we look at the promises in the scripture, and we go to God with boldness to the throne of grace, and we bring the promises back to God and tell God, God, you said, God, you said you will do this. Pour out your spirit. You said that you will heal. You said that you will save. You said, my, you, going to God back with His promises. And pouring our heart out before God. And many times we know this when that spirit of prayer starts coming. Many times it comes heavy on us that we cannot say it in English or in our language anymore. And it starts coming out with groaning and noises, and, and it's it's as the spirit gives us utterance, and it's like travail, it's like women giving birth, and we're pouring our heart out. I tell you, that spirit of prayer is going to increase in the church in this hour. It's going to increase because it is a must. I know there's different kinds of prayer. There's prayer where you simply just look to Jesus and you don't say anything. And you just worship Him. I mean, just look at His beauty. Just being in awe of Him. And waiting on Him and saying nothing. That's also prayer as well. There's prayer who, like I said, there's travail of soul as Charles Finney would describe it. And he talked about the spirit of prayer. He said, it's like a woman who have lost her, a mother who have lost her child. And whatever she's doing, her child is on her mind. If she's cooking, she's thinking about where her child, where is he? Where is she? If she's walking to heaven, she's thinking where's my child and he said this is what this is when revival can be expected when the church has the spirit of prayer for the lost in this way that they are on our mind that we are gripped they are facing eternal hell we are responsible we must pray we must intercede he said that's when revival is expected There's also other kinds of prayer that when you're, many times, when it's in that place of intercession, you start prophesying, and you start speaking things that are not as if though they are, and it comes with, many times, out of that place of intercession and worship, and it's such a boldness will come upon us, and we prophesy things into existence. There's different kinds. Amen? Amen? I'm almost landing. Leran Ravenhill used to say, No man is greater than his prayer life. That's where our greatness lies. And I tell you, as I was talking with Pastor Eric yesterday, and I looked it up this morning, I, looked, I saw this quote. I couldn't see who said it, but it goes like this. The greatness of, the ch- of a church is not how many it seats, but how many it sends. I believe it will be said about you. And if I were to change anything, I would say not how many it sees, but the kind, the quality of those that are being sent. Amen? Yeah, let's stand together.